वेलकम टू इंटरलिंक द पॉडकास्ट सीरीज अंडर द सेंटर ऑफ न्यू इकोनॉमिक स्टडीज ओ पी चंदन ग्लोबल यूनिवर्सिटी इंटरलिंक एम्स टू होल्ड नुआंस कॉन्वर्जेशन अबाउट द इंटर डिसिप्लिनरी नेचर ऑफ द प्रॉब्लम्स दैट आर इंटीगिंग टू द वर्ल्ड टूडे एंड होप्स टू ब्रेक डाउन इंटेलेक्चुअल बैरियर्स एंड लुक एट टॉपिक्स इन अ वे दैट विल अलाउ अस टू क्वेश्चन इट फ्रॉम सेवरल फैसल्स I am Bilkis Kalkatawala a research analyst at the Center of New Economic Studies and a second year student at Ashoka University Today a conversation will primarily revolve around game theory and its varied applications Our guest for today is Professor Satyashri Mukherjee Professor Mukherjee is an associate professor of economics at IIT Delhi Professor Mukherjee completed his PhD in quantitative economics from the Indian Statistical Institute New Delhi His research interests include mechanism design social choice game theory and bounded rationality He teaches microeconomics game theory and mathematical economics With a several years of experience in the field of game theory we are really excited for you to share your insights professor Thank you so much for taking out the time and joining us today Yeah thank you very much Belkis it's pleasure to be here and looking forward to our conversation Sure professor uh that being said we'll just uh get into it right away uh professor could you briefly uh tell us about the field of your research given that game theory is quite a broad field Yes so uh yes actually game theory is quite a broad field and uh more so these days because it's being applied not only to economics but you know various fields of computer science and also international relations or political science so my research interest of course i mean uh, crucially lies around game theory but uh, uh, one particular area where i am uh, very interested in or you can say that you know my main research focus is on uh, is uh, mechanism design theory so uh, the idea as we will talk about uh, game theory we will talk about strategic interactions and all this uh, but mechanism design actually uses you know game theoretic tools and uh, techniques to kind of design markets okay different types of markets or institutions to achieve some sort of uh, socio economic goals to give you an example you know if you want to uh, sell a particular product uh, and as a seller you would like to kind of sell it at a maximum possible price uh, you you may have uh, you know a set of potential consumers and uh, each of these consumers may be very unwilling to disclose their you know willingness to pay or how much price they are willing to pay because they might be you know uh, expecting that okay uh, i would like to buy it at the minimum possible price so there is a tension going on uh in terms of information that the seller doesn't really know how much the you know buyer is willing to pay and the buyer is trying to weigh on it so that he has to pay uh, as minimum as possible so here you know how to design a market for the seller so that the seller can kind of extract the maximum possible revenue right uh, this is kind of an example of designing a market uh, please understand that you know uh, designing of such markets is crucial when uh, there is an information asymmetry that means there are there are a group of agents uh, there is a group of agents who are interacting and each agent has a different information set available to him right so it's not the same information which is shared by all the agents which creates some sort of information asymmetry and uh, therein lies the rational to design a market 
which can kind of you know fill in this kind of inefficiency which might be generated because of information asymmetry so i'm very interested in that apart from that which is uh, which interests me a lot is uh, you know decision theory or uh, uh, behavioral economics again i mean it's very very closely related to game theory the idea is that uh, when we economic agents by we oh, by the way i don't really mean only human i mean these days even robots are economic agents uh, maybe some of it will be talking through in today's conversation so as an economic agent when you take an action when you choose to buy something choose to sell something it's often the case that you know the the agents are uh, not fully rational they're very behavioral so for instance they respond very quickly to different nudges uh, right so for instance if i would like to buy something uh, i might be very attracted to the advertisement uh, behind it or the packaging for it right so this kind of uh, other factors affect the decision making a lot and uh, this kind of you know throws out all the existing theories of economic uh, microeconomics or decision making uh, models right so i'm very interested in understanding uh, how to develop the theory of uh, such boundedly rational behavior which can kind of closely match with the real real life data so these days it's more like uh, you have observed data and from that data if you can kind of build a theory which closely matches uh, the the data right so i am very interested in that area as well but uh, you know having said that obviously the common uh, research field cutting across all these areas is game theory but that's kind of a snapshot right professor that sounds very interesting um professor given that you have so much experience in the field to someone who is completely new to this concept could you briefly explain what the idea behind game theory is and how you sort of became interested in this field right so uh, yeah so basically you know in very uh, layman's term the game theory is all about strategic interactions uh, so by strategic interactions what i mean is that you know uh, this the word strategy is we kind of loosely use this word in everyday activities right that i have this strategy he has that strategy but in game theory this word strategy is used in a very particular way so think of a situation when uh, you know a group of friends is kind of uh, trying to decide on an activity for an evening so for instance some pleasure activity for instance to watch a movie or to go and watch a soccer or just to uh, hold some chit chat right so like this and uh, you know um, obviously one particular activity will be shared ultimately by all these all these friends but everybody may have a different preference so for instance if i am a part of the team i may want to go for a movie rather than watching a soccer or going for a chit chat session but the other person there there could be another person who would like to go for a soccer match right uh, but ultimately what we want to do is to um, engage in an activity which is common for all of us right so uh, here uh, notice that ultimately whatever uh, this group of friends uh, does it will affect everybody's welfare everybody's well-being right so for instance if i end up watching a soccer match uh, that is also affecting my welfare right if i end up watching a movie that will also affect my welfare and same holds for all the other people so basically uh, you know what ultimately uh, takes place as a decision will affect everybody's welfare or uh, what we call utility in economics right so this kind of situation is strategic why because you know my welfare my utility it does not only depend on my action 
but it also depends on the actions chosen by the others. So for instance, in the example that I gave you, it might be the case that there is a voting, right? So everybody says that, okay, uh, every, you know, everybody raise hands who are in favor of watching a movie or people who want to go for a soccer and who, whatever receives the highest number of votes, that will be the, that will be the outcome. If this kind of a simple rule is uh, adopted, there also, you know, ultimate, ultimately, uh, you know, it's not only my vote that counts, it's everybody's vote, uh, which will uh, decide, right? Ultimately, what is going to be watched or what is, the gonna, what is going to be the activity. So this is a kind of a classic situation where, you know, an agent's, out, agent's welfare or utility will depend not only on the action that that person chooses, but the actions chosen by the others. Now, if, it, if this is the case, then you can easily understand that everybody would like to understand what the others are going to do, right? So everybody would care for what the other, what actions others are going to take. So uh, this is the strategic situation and this is a strategic interaction and everybody's action is called a strategy. Now, uh, we kind of assume that in this kind of a situation, everybody would like to maximize his or her own welfare or utility. So as a, as a, even if I'm gonna decide on what, whether to watch a movie or to watch a soccer, you know, I would like to take an actions which maximizes my welfare, but notice that, you know, I cannot unilaterally decide on the, on the outcome. So I will do my best, right? Assuming that the others will also do their best. But here, maybe, you know, there could be various tricky situations depending on whether I can watch what others are doing, whether I know what the others want, Right. So that is, in a nutshell, uh, a strategic situation. Right. And uh, that is the way you can say in a layman's term, a game could be defined. Right. A situation where everybody has to do something. And while doing so, everybody would actually would like to know what the others are also doing, because it's not only his action which will fetch him the welfare or utility, but what will be decided, it will be decided based on everybody's actions. Right. So, uh, and how I got interested in this, you know, uh, that probably perhaps it pertains to a great extent to my training in ISI Delhi. So, you know, when I joined ISI Delhi, you know, for a graduate program, I was uh, pretty uh, enthused by the work of uh, Professor Arunava Sen, who is a senior professor there, and who eventually guided me for my PhD thesis. And uh, or not only the interactions with him, but you know, we used to have a series of visitors uh, from abroad, primarily who would give lectures on game theory and allied areas. And I got very enthused by only very basic fact of game theory that you know what I want to do. Uh, that is only not deciding my uh, fate, right? It's also the others who are going to decide my fate to some extent. So. Uh, it's not that, you know, unilaterally my action is going to decide on what welfare I'm going to derive, right? It's also the others. And I do want to understand what others want to do. And they may not want to really, you know, tell me directly what they want to do because they want to do their best. So here lies a big scope of, you know, uh, deceitful behavior, cheating, also collusion, right? And I could see through the scope of applying such settings in various activities beyond economics as well, and which is the case eventually, uh, uh, that these kind of settings are not only used for uh, economic applications, but also in AI, data science, uh, marketing, management, business environment, geopolitics, right? So the scope is really, really huge. I think that scope kind of, and also the inherent nature of the problem, 
you know, that kind of attracted me a lot and that kind of drew me. And of course, I, I'm, uh, I must say that I was also indebted to Professor Sen for very insightful discussions initially I had with him on these things. Uh, yeah. Right, Professor. I think the interdisciplinary sort of nature of game theory is right. why I think it's sort of becoming more and more popular. Absolutely. Um, right. Professor, I think uh, when we hear of game theory, one thing that definitely comes up is the game of prisoners dilemma. Uh, could you just tell us, our audience, a little about the game and why it is one of the most sort of popular ways to study the concept? Right. So uh, you are right. I mean, Prison Dilemma is really one of the most popular examples of a game or strategic situation. Uh, you know, so obviously, I mean, there are many different uh, uh, nuances or facets about uh, Prison Dilemma. But uh, if I want to kind of give you the, uh, you know, the moral of the story of Prison Dilemma, it's something like this that so suppose, you know, um, I am engaged in an interaction with another person uh where again it's a strategic situation so what i do that only uh, that only uh, is the case it's not like that it's uh, what matters also what the other person does so you know the final outcome will be decided by the actions of uh, both the players both the economic agents let's say so suppose you know um, i can engage into one kind of interaction which is very uh, uh, competitive so basically i am kind of play a very competitive strategy with the other person or the other option could be that I engage in some sort of cooperative behavior with the other person. So uh, the other person also has a similar options into the same options. Either he can compete with me or he can get into some sort of uh, cooperation towards me, right? So in, in such a simple setting, the outcome is of course gonna be uh, based on whether both the people cooperate with each other or both the people compete with each other or one of us competes, the other person cooperates, right? Now, uh, imagine a situation where, you know, uh, if both the people cooperate with each other, that's the best situation for both of them, okay? But notice uh, this best situation for both the players, that means, you know, both the players get very highly rewarded only if both the players actually uh, cooperate with each other. Right. It is, it is a must that both the players must cooperate with each other. If one player cooperates and the other player kind of defects, deviates or gets into some competitive mode, then the person who has adopted a cooperative strategy suffers a lot. And the person who kind of cheats, if you may say, right, that he, the other person is cooperating the, and this person is uh, rather adopting a competitive strategy. If this person is doing the, doing the same, then this person who is defecting, who is kind of cheating, you can say he is gaining a lot. So it's kind of a situation, you know, if I am one of the pairs and I have to choose between cooperate with you or be competitive with you, if I know for sure that you are going to be cooperating with me, then only I'll cooperate with you. Otherwise, I'll may I'll definitely have a tendency to actually compete with you in case you are cooperating, because in that case, you will be you will be losing hefty, but I'll gain hefty. Right. So it's a kind of a situation where I know that if I engage into cooperation with you, that is the best for both of us. But I am very, very much swayed by the fact that if you cooperate with me and if I compete with you, I will gain a lot. So basically, you can understand that this kind of a situation depicts a, 
a classic situation of cheating or no cheating, right? So basically, wherein lies the idea of cheating is this, that the game is designed in such a manner that if both the players cooperate with each other, then it's good for both of them. So one player might think that, okay, let me cooperate with the other player, assuming that the other player would also cooperate, right? Mm -hmm. Having a trust. Remember that in this kind of settings, these players are taking the actions without actually informing the other person. There is no discussion. There is no collaboration taking place. So I'm independently choosing whether to cooperate or to cheat. And you are also independently deciding whether to cooperate or, or to cheat. So suppose I'm, uh, you are kind of deciding to cooperate with me, assuming or trusting that I would also cooperate. But, you know, I'm taking the scope of that and I'm kind of comp competing with you. Right. So this is uh, therein lies the idea of cheating, because although there is no pact, there is no contract which is signed between the two parties. It's some sort of an tacit collusion, right, that you thought that I would also cooperate because both of us would gain. But I'm taking the chance, assuming that you are cooperating and I'm kind of competing and I'm gaining a lot, but you are in trouble in that case. So in this kind of a situation, what is the outcome which is inevitable if there is no, uh, you know, coordination between the two parties is that both the parties compete with each other, right? So they hardly cooperate with each other, right? So, and, uh, you know, as I said, this game is designed in such a manner that it's good for both the parties to actually cooperate with each other, but ultimately, eventually, they compete with each other, so which is a suboptimal outcome, right? So okay. this prisoner's dilemma game is very useful or popular for a simple reason, which is uh, the following that in various situations in our life, in business decision making, in friendship, in personal relationships, or, you know, in geopolitical uh, situations, this is a very kind of common, common kind of a situation where I have to either cooperate with the other party or I have to compete with the other party. And often it is the case that if there is no intervention from outside, people eventually end up competing with each other, which is not great for either. And there is a scope for, you know, kind of uh, comp rather cooperating with each other, which is good for both. And uh, ultimately, the outcome is very inefficient because both of us lose ultimately competing with each other. And uh, that's a classic situation where although people are self-interested, remember, I am competing with you because I want to do best for myself. You are also doing so. But, you know, even the self-interested actions do not really yield uh, the best outcome for both of us. So this is rather uh, very uh, counterintuitive and interesting, right? That's why right, this professor. example is very popular. Right. Um, professor, a term that you also mentioned previously was behavioral economics. And both behavioral economics and game theory are sort of heavily dependent on the decision of individuals and institutions and how sort of that varies from what was implied by classical economic theory. So if you could elaborate or elaborate on the intersection of behavioral and economic and game theory a little. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, the way game theory has developed uh, using classic, classic theory of rationality, it kind of uh, believes that you know, the classic game theory believes that every player is rational. By rationality, what I mean is that every player uh, not only is self-interested, not only wants to maximize his or her own welfare, but also, you know, uh, the player knows a lot about the environment. So, for instance, you know, uh, a classic assumption in game theory is that when I'm playing a game with the other person, uh, let's say prisoner's dilemma, you know, I cooperate or I compete uh, while choosing this decision, 
I know the uh, you know available strategy set for the other player. That is, the other player also uh, can also cooperate or compete with me. Not only that, I also know that the other player also wants to maximize his welfare. Not only that, I also know his payoffs, right? What is his utility gonna be in this game, right? So all this information is known to me. So this kind of uh, you know uh, this kind of an assumption of knowledge of the environment is rather a strong one. And uh, you know uh, there are various other factors which also influence uh, a person's decision making. One is lack of knowledge of the environment that may influence suboptimal behavior by a by a by a game player. May basically in prison dilemma, for instance, if I don't really know uh, that if I compete and the other player competes also, what is the utility or the welfare the other person is going to get? Then maybe the outcome of prison dilemma might change, right? Or in other or, or in other cases, uh, so suppose you know obviously I would like to take the best action for myself, but when I'm purchasing something online, uh, or even uh, if I'm purchasing something from a shopping mall in person, it might be the case that even though I want to buy something best for me, but you know I may not be able to pay attention to all the set of products which are available in the shopping mall, right? I may be able to focus only on a subset of products for various reasons, maybe those products are on discount or maybe those products are being advertised you know in a in a in a vigorous way right uh, for various reasons i may not be able to pay attention to all the options that i can choose from and if so then you know i end up choosing something which is suboptimal for myself and if you know if you introduce this kind of source of suboptimal uh, actions for the players in a game then players are no longer really, they're unable to take a rational decision, right? Because of uh, the obvious reason that they either lack information or they are being swayed by some other factors. So now the problem is, uh, uh, you know, classical game theory is very robust and solid in telling or predicting what would happen if the environment is perfect, right? The moment you bring in these imperfections, the moment you bring in these behavioral anomalies, then that theory needs to be uh, tweaked, right? That theory needs to be readjusted and probably readjusted for uh, a match with the real life data. And therein lies the interesting things. You may lose the strong results of game theory, predictive uh, results, right? So there, and it be, it's more challenging because the source of such imperfections uh, is probably possibly infinite, right? There can be so various ways in which a person can get swayed uh, nudged or you know kind of allured or right or maybe made to believe something else right which we can encounter in every day's uh, business decision making or political decision making and all uh, there could be you know third party intervention there could be another platform which is bringing together two, two parties and the role played by them so there you know umpteen number of imperfections which can actually affect the model and therein lies the understanding that you know behavioral economics uh, needs to be integrated with game theory to to give you a robust and solid predictive model uh, to kind of reflect on what is happening in reality so that that's the intersection of behavioral economics with game theory right professor um professor we spoke about the interdisciplinary nature of game theory and we've seen the role it has started to play in economics and business, be it predicting situational outcomes or uh, game theory being used for price setting. Mm -hmm. uh, could you give us some examples uh, from maybe the airline industry or the auction setting, which sort of elaborate, uh, elaborates on the use of game theory in the sector? Mm -hmm. 
Right, right. So, yeah, it's very kind of uh, right. It's a relevant question. So, uh, in fact, the best, uh, of course, option or, you know, the pricing of various uh, kind of industries like airline and all, very prominent examples of game theory. Auction itself is a classic game. So, as probably I started by saying that if I, if you want to sell a product and you want to kind of, you know, uh, achieve the maximum possible money, by selling it. So you have a group of potential consumers and you would like to understand that which consumer, you know, is willing to pay the maximum, right? So imagine that you have an artifact or some antique object and you are you are willing to sell it at the maximum possible price and you have taken it to an auction house where 50 people are accumulated to kind of bid for it. So you want you don't really know everybody's willingness to pay. Everybody has it in his own mind that okay, this is a nice object, and I'm willing to pay, let's say, uh, you know, one million rupees or uh, whatever, right? Something, but you don't really know it. So if you would have known that, then definitely you would approach that person directly and ask him that okay, buy it because the other person who is the who is, the, who is willing to pay me the maximum. But you know, you want to now design a game. You are asking these uh, potential consumers to play a game. And when these uh, consumers play the game, the outcome is something which is exactly what you wanted. You are actually ending up understanding who's the, play, who's the player with the maximum willingness to pay. And you can extract as much as possible, right? So this is a classic example of game because you are actually, you are engaging all these customers to play a game with each other. What is the game here? Basically, everybody will have to bid, will have to say that, okay, this is the amount of money I want to pay for this product. Now, if imagine that you are one of these consumers and you have in your mind that, okay, for this uh, antique product, you are willing to pay maybe 1 million uh, Indian rupees, uh, but you are unwilling to actually say this because you know that if I, the moment I say this, then I have to probably pay this, right? So you are waiting for the others. You, you, you are expecting that maybe the others are actually bidding less than uh, what you are willing to pay. And so ultimately what you have to say is something which is less than what is your maximum willingness to pay. So you want to kind of, uh, take the advantage of that gap, right? So that's why you are not probably bluntly announcing that, okay, I am willing to pay 1 million Indian rupees, right? You, you are hopeful that maybe half a million Indian rupees, I can take the product away, right? So this is the game, right? And uh, you can understand why this is a game because ultimately who will win the product, it does not only depend on one person's bid, it depends on the bids by all the people, right? So obviously auction is a classic example, but what I want to mention, uh, which is very recent is, you know, the online pricing, and that is not only for airline in the industry, but for many other, uh, any, any on online portal. In fact, uh, the thing is that, uh, so, so suppose I want to, you know, buy, uh, a ticket from Delhi to Calcutta and, uh, you know, I'm searching for it. So on a, on a web portal or, or a travel aggregator, aggregator web portal. And uh, various prices are displayed by various airlines. Now, you know, if I'm unhappy with the pricing, maybe I do, I want to search more, then maybe I'll come back to the search process after a few days and I'll again search, right? Now, the thing is this pricing, which are displayed by uh, this portal, uh, the portals, right? These prices are not really manually decided, right? This is the interesting part of it. So, you know, the airlines, they posit the prices through some sort of, uh, you know, artificial intelligence technique, which they call reinforcement learning. Basically, there is a program behind this pricing mechanism, which tries to understand that how the consumers are behaving, how randomly the consumers are searching, how intensely a consumer is searching. You may know that, you know, uh, you may have come across this kind of uh, stories in the newspaper 
that you know if there is a high surge frequency then the fares tend to go up which is indeed the case because uh, this mechanism which is underlying mechanism to determine the price they kind of try to track the customers they try to track the consumers uh, intensity to purchase the ticket and accordingly decide the price and this leads to a very nice game theoretic situation because uh, imagine airlines uh, two airlines airline 1 and airline 2 they are kind of positing they are kind of reflecting some prices on their portals and uh, how much price they want to quote that actually depends on definitely the prices prices offered by the other airlines right and therein lies the mechanism which tries to understand that okay what are the prices offered by the other airlines let me uh, revise my price accordingly and as you can understand this is very dynamic in nature right it's not only uh, it's not only dependent on uh, what the other airlines are actually asking uh, the consumers to pay it also depends on a specific consumer how frequently that consumer is actually hitting the web portal how frequently that consumer is searching for uh, a flight right they try to understand they try to have a mapping of this customer's profile as well as they want to understand how, what is the price offered by the other airlines right so uh, this kind of pricing mechanism actually indeed applies the rationale of game theory in order to kind of decide what is the optimal pricing and uh, by the way this has been a major concern recently of various uh, countries anti competitive uh, major rules right I, you know that anti competitive measures uh, i mean anti competitive uh, uh, practices are banned right in many right. many countries right so in india we have competition commission of india for instance so there has been a you know an article which was published in nature uh, which kind of depicts this issue that you know uh, various online portals now they are actually uh uh asking uh, their 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 asking prices are actually some sort of collusive in nature that means airline a and airline b their pricing mechanisms are somewhere colluding with each other to reflect a price so naturally if there is a collusion between airlines a and b then naturally the consumer is unable to reap the benefit of the competition right yeah. so uh, but remember that these prices are not really being de decided by uh, by a human being it's being decided by the mechanism some sort of reinforcement learning mechanism which integrates game theoretic principle they want to so it's kind of prisons dilemma game perhaps right where uh, indeed they understand uh, that competition uh, not competition but you know collusion is good for us so let collude with each other over time right this kind of thing but again this is a very very recent area of research and still i believe uh, it's being explored and not full results are yet out but yeah that could be one good example of uh, application of game theory in airlines industry or in general uh, online markets right professor um professor something that uh, has been developed very recently and i've also found very very interesting is the role game theory plays in sports uh, be it with getting an idea of the tactical performance in team sports or uh, the two person strategy in sports like snooker squash or tennis so if you <laughs> could uh, maybe tell us a little about that right right so yeah i mean of course uh, the sports are uh, classic cases of uh, games in fact where such strategic situations are arising every now and then uh, and obviously the games that you were mentioning the uh, squash or tennis or snooker i mean there are interesting um, 
you know nuances if you analyze them so i can tell you that you know uh, various studies are being conducted or various papers are coming out which kind of try to depict very interesting ways players respond to the opponents see uh, to uh, understand this uh, the role of game theory behind these actions which are being taken play which are taking place in these games or the sports it's uh, best way to understand would be the following so if i am playing a game with the other players uh, that means i am in a strategic situation and uh, what i care about is of course my well-being but uh, i also want to understand what other players are doing right so that is a strategic setting and before taking my action i always want to guess what the other players are going to do if you uh, want to imagine uh, let's say if you think of uh, let's say squash right so what is the focus uh, the major focus is basically to take uh, to hit the ball such that it become it's it, it's away from your opponent right that's you can say you can say that that's the kind of best response for a player right so every player is uh, looking for uh, playing the best response what by best response what i mean is that uh, i can't control for what my opponent will do right let the opponent play something let the opponent choose some action what i will do i will always choose the best action against what my opponent is choosing right that is called best response and this is the this is the way every player thinks in every sport so in a in a squash i think the most best responses will focus on uh, hitting the ball away from your opponent right so now if you think of the specific situations right in squash particularly it will revolve around the front and back halves of the court right so suppose you're in the front court uh, and if your opponent hits a drop shot right and suppose he's recovering to the t so what will be your best response your best response has to be uh, to hit the ball to either back corner side of the back corners right and now you need to know where your opponent's whereabout is right you need to see where your opponent is situated or located if your opponent is moving towards the backhand side of the court, your best response will be to hit to the forehand back corner and vice versa, right? So what I'm trying to say is that it's a dynamic nature of this kind of sport, which gives rise to the situations where a game is being played between, let's say, two players or more than two players at every now and then. In cricket, suppose there's a batsman and uh, there's a bowler, right? So the bowler always tries to kind of gauge that okay the batsman's uh, what is the batsman's stance right is he gonna uh, is he gonna defend it or he's in a kind of striking mood right he always tries to guess what the other player the batsman is gonna do batsman on the other hand is trying to kind of guess uh, without exactly knowing what the bowler is doing uh, kind of you know if the bowler is going to give a slow delivery or it's uh, you know fast paced or whatever right so this kind of gives rise to various sorts of uh, interesting game theoretic situations uh, in such sports. To give you uh, an idea how game theory is being applied, I can talk about a study. I think it's by uh, John Wooders. Uh, I think he was he's uh, either in Chicago University or Stanford. I, I, I can't really say exactly where. Anyways, uh, so John Wooders uh, actually had a very interesting study. So what they did, they started the best response of the uh, tennis players of world level, right? So basically they considered uh, the directions of serve and choosing a position on the baseline. So where to serve and while the other person is serving, wh what position the opponent is taking. And uh, you know what uh, they did, I think they kind of used some sophisticated ball tracking devices to understand uh, if the if uh, let's say Federer is serving in this direction, how Nadal is defending it, right? 
this data was collected and they analyzed it to understand if at all what game theory predicts that is the Nash equilibrium if at all this data is uh, uh, is kind of consistent with Nash equilibria or not and very interestingly uh, most of the data most part of the data was actually consistent with Nash equilibrium which kind of gives you some support in 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 favor of this kind of theory that when Nash equilibrium simply says that you know uh, every player does uh, the best response against each other right so i am doing my best against what you are doing and you are doing the best what i am doing against what i am doing right so it's something like best against each other kind of a situation so that's why it's somewhat stable right what action you are choosing the way the direction of yourself and choosing my 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 own choice of position they're best against each other right so and that was in, in, indeed the case for at least the data uh, that orders considered or for instance ten, uh, uh, cricket i believe that you know uh, there was a book i think it was published in 2005 or uh, 2006 you know the book actually dealt about dealt with the economics of cricket so and with a huge applications of game theory that how the bowler chooses the strategy or the batsman chooses the stance and all these things so yeah i mean there is a huge scope of understanding analyzing various actions uh, using game theory concepts and indeed the theory is tallying with the data as i said right professor those are some really interesting insights um professor you also mentioned in our conversation at the beginning about r robots being economic agents as um as an addition right. to humans also so i was really curious as to how game theory has expanded its reach to robotics spot pricing and machine learning so right 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 yeah yeah, yeah. that's a very uh, uh, yeah very interesting area and uh, again that kind of gives rise to some sort of interdisciplinary scope of work so um, i can give you an example you know the robots are being used for injury rehabilitation assistance right so uh, after some injury the patient needs some rehabilitation and the robots help them in various ways right so uh, there have been studies that when the robots are providing assistance uh, the patients start uh, they, they start actually slacking off and basically what they do they shark and let the robots do all the work but rehabilitation actually uh requires both the parties to work the robots actually should induce the patients to also reciprocate right so if the robots are uh, kind of trying to help uh, an injured person uh, uh, to get into some activities right uh, the patient should not really uh, slack off the patient should not should not really let the robots do all the work then the rehabilitation doesn't really progress this has been actually an inherent problem of such uh, you know robots helped uh, injury rehabilitation assistance programs so you know what machine learning techniques have done is kind of it has uh, thought about programming the robots or controlling the robots in such such a manner that if it is a case that the patient starts slacking off the robots also withdraw themselves so the actually the the, the patients need to ultimately get the assistance right the patients need to ultimately get the care and when the robots are controlled in in that way that it transits or there is a transition across different rehabilitation tasks right uh, then definitely it helps the patient to be also become more active and participate in the uh, in the reciprocation reciprocative manner right so uh, what it actually here what works with the robot is some sort of game theoretic applications that 
robots is tasked or trained or controlled in such a manner that if the patient acts this way, then the robot is also controlled or programmed to act in a specific way, which is basically nothing but choosing the best response, right? If it is that, the, if it is a case that the patient starts slacking off, then the robots, robot will also not really complete its work, right? Basically, robot will not really allow the patient to free ride, right? So basically, this is what human robot interaction is or human AI interaction is. So you understand the programming that has to be kind of induced in the robot or the, uh, the control mechanism that has to be induced in the robot must take into account of various actions the other party may take and what are the best response uh, that the robot should take. That must be programmed. And this is nothing but game theory, right? Game theory is all about being strategic. While the other person is playing this, uh, choosing this action, what is the best action for myself? Right, so that's very direct and uh, very interesting, I believe, application of game theory in robotics. But, you know, this is probably one of the most recent uh, applications, but it's spreading more, it's spreading even more beyond, uh, you know, uh, injury rehabilitation assistance, but various other, uh, you know, areas where robots work. Right, Professor. Um, uh, Professor, moving a little from the interdisciplinary nature of game theory, given the technicalities and precision uh, that game theory requires, it sort of comes with its own set of limitations. Mm -hmm. um, so could you tell us maybe some limitations in this field? Yeah, so the limitation, uh, primary limitation is basically what uh, you know, I was trying to talk about is some assumptions. So, uh, you know, game theory, obviously, uh, as you can understand, it's modeling uh, agents behavior and uh, this modeling agents behavior in a very particular naive way, because as you can understand, while modeling such, uh, you know, interdependent strategic interactions, uh, we try to kind of model it using some mathematical principles. And uh, these mathematical principles are often very stringent, although they are able to give robust results, but often they are uh, not too flexible. That's why, you know, if we want to model a real life situation through a mathematical model, it abstracts away to some extent from the reality anyways, right? So obviously, um, our target is always to refine the model in a sophisticated way so that it kind of uh, captures the reality as much as possible and here the sophisticated mathematics also helps a lot but you know in case of game theory it relies on some abstract nature of uh, uh, of modeling in the sense that suppose as i said that when the players are interacting with each other every player would try to understand what is actually there in the mind of the other player right so when i am engaging in a prisoner's dilemma game I'm trying to understand what is there in the mind of the other other player, my opponent, right? What he might think, what he might guess, what he might gauge, right? What he is understanding. Uh, I'm trying to understand his mind, basically. I'm trying to read his mind. And please understand that this does not end the story because the other person is also trying to read my mind. So if I have to read his mind, then I have to kind of read my own mind as well through his lens. Uh, and there, therein lies uh, the complicated... Uh, applications of some sort of uh, mathematical tools, right? This is basically called in technical ways, it's called higher order beliefs. Basically my belief about the opponent, but my belief about my opponent's belief about myself, and it goes on. 
and this kind of abstract nature of modeling often you know uh, poses some problems in 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 matching the reality but you know i i should say that uh, on one hand the game theory has come a, uh, has actually walked a long path in terms of ma making it more robust more strong more solid in terms of abstracting away from uh, assumptions but come closer to a reality on the other hand what is helping game theory or in a complementary way is that uh, uh, you know the data so we are trying to kind of understand that what data says what uh, what the data exhibits and the data what what kind of behavioral pattern that that we can actually collect from the data and imbibe it in theoretical modeling which is very important right it's not only that build a theory and try to see whether that matches the data but also while building theory look at data and see uh, you know uh, how i can kind of tweak my model to match more with the with the with the data so that it can predict better for future so this this is an area which probably still we are working on and uh, this, i mean a lot of advances have taken place but of course a long way to go and this is probably uh, but but by the way i should say that this difficulty is there because ultimately these applications of game theory or whatever are you know uh, this is not really hard science this is a soft science this is a social science right it's not really that we can test this in the laboratory that way there are laboratory tests but again it involves human decision making human behavior which is always subjective there is there cannot be any program which can mimic 100% uh, all the human beings involved so but yeah that is a challenge we, we, which we kind of recognize and uh, but still working on it uh, successfully right um professor given that we've in the past two years sort of grappled with this COVID-19 pandemic and are still doing so to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, has that had any impact on the dynamics of how game theory has evolved or its applications? Yes, actually, I mean, um, see, COVID-19 pandemic, it has been, uh, it has left us with an unprecedented situation and it has led to, you know, uh, basically, it has ultimately led to uh, the situations which we could never perceive of beforehand, right? So, be it, uh, let's say, teamwork or be it some coordinated activities or be it some, uh, you know, challenging situations in business environment, right? It has, it has actually positive challenges in terms of throwing new, new situations. And uh, please understand that game theory is uh, a subject which uh, kind of should be able to deal with any strategic situation in any environment, right? Any, if, if, it, if the theory is solid, it should be applicable to any uh, kind of environment. And uh, uh, this actually, I would say that this has not rather limited the scope of game theory, but it has opened new areas for game theory to be applied. To give you a small example, you know, a work from home concept. So, you know, uh, several of these, uh, uh, many of the, uh, business uh, houses, uh, their activities take place in a very coordinated fashion, right? So there is a strong component of analytics of business and there is a strong component of data collection, let's say. Now data collection, I would uh, not be able to say much about it, but for analytics, you know, we, we are in a habit to go to the offices, have a team meeting over there, discuss everything together and uh, decide on the, or analyze the situations. But now it's work from home. Right, uh, so basically everybody's connecting with the other person in a distant mode, on virtual mode and all these things. And this has actually, in a, in a strategic space, this has actually led to a very interesting observation that, you know, uh, 
there, there have been major impacts on the psychology of of the people who are involved and while you know in the in the physical space while they're interacting with each other uh, they have been extremely competitive with each other let's say in a space while uh, you know moving to a space where you are actually in the comfort of your home you have your own space uh, that degree of competition may have come down i mean these are by the way these are very preliminary observations of some studies which probably are not yet published but uh, I can just, actually, I cannot really formally quote from, but as you can understand that this has actually given, uh, you know, new avenues to look at competition, collusion, behavior, uh, right, with, the, with, with each other, although in the same environment. So what I'm trying to say is that the behavioral pattern of economic agents may have completely changed, right? So, right. And, and probably that also gives rise to uh, the fact that we need to rethink about several game theoretic models because you know the underlying assumptions about the individual's behavior is crucial for a game theoretic model so that is probably one aspect but there could be many other uh, aspects uh, of game theoretic applications post covid 19 right professor um professor given that game theory is one of the most uh, upcoming fields and is only growing in terms of popularity could you possibly share some resources for uh, individuals who would want to venture into this field uh, and suggest interesting books articles or research papers that they could refer to as a starting point um, to their knowledge of this field yeah sure i mean um, so yeah see game theory is such a rich field and uh, there are many uh, good books which are written on game theory but uh, uh, obviously uh, the books that i can recommend i mean there is a bit of a personal preference but uh, you know uh, the book the books by uh, ariel rubinstein and martin osborne so there is a book uh, by ariel rubinstein and martin osborne which is called a course in game theory i like that book very much because uh, although precise although a bit abstract in nature at times, but it gives, uh, you know, extremely sophisticated treatment of game theory. But uh, that if it, you know, if this book appears to be slightly more advanced for the very, for the beginners, I would recommend uh, the book by, you know, Stephen Tadilis. Uh, so Stephen Tadilis has a book on game theory. I think it's called Applications in Game Theory and its Applications. Uh, it has very beautiful introduction of uh, game theoretic setting, a lot of simple examples, and obviously then uh, some complicated ones, and of, of course uh, applications in economic environments. And for those uh, you know who want to kind of master the subject a little more, I would of course recommend the book by uh, you know Drew Fudenberg and John Tirol. The book title is Game Theory, and possibly it's one of the best books in game theory in a very comprehensive way, but obviously the uh, material is advanced. And I should mention also that Roger Meyerson uh, has written a book again called A Game Theory. Uh, I think it's Game Theory and Analysis of Conflict. That is the title. Uh, another, you know, superb level of sophistication in game theoretic analysis. But to start with, I would recommend Tadalis and perhaps Rubinstein and uh, Osborne and Rubinstein. And, and, and by the way, there are many, many uh, nice lecture materials. Uh, in fact, MIT Open uh, Courseware, I think they have series of game theory lectures, uh, which are quite nice and simple and lots of examples there. Right, Professor. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and uh, 
this is my final question for you as to what sort of direction do you think future research will take in this field and what are some upcoming ideas do you think will really grow or uh, in the field of let's say behavioral economics and game theory right so uh, you know uh, i think that the the future direction is really uh, a strong interdisciplinarity i mean uh, so I, I think you know in order to make game theory more successful or other in other words you know to make successful applications of game theory we really uh, must see more and more interdisciplinary work especially between the game theorists game theorists economists and computer scientists and because i believe the future applications of game theory actually lie in the area of geopolitics in the area of you know machine learning or in the area of uh, as i as we discussed robotics right these are the areas right. so geopolitics for instance it requires um, you know collaboration between political scientists game theorists economists right also cognitive decision making by the way cognitive science that's another area which is which requires the psychologists or you know linguists or uh, economists and computer science to come up together right because it's not only the theory but you must apply this theory of the principles in practice and that is somewhere you know you need to get into interdisciplinary interdisciplinary collaboration because the computer scientists they would come up with some nice machine learning tools and techniques and this machine learning tools tools and techniques must imbibe game theoretic uh, principles in order to you know kind of uh, deal with you uh, know to give nice predictive power of the model right where everyday applications of online portal or you know uh, or, or or let's say advertising or the marketing everything is dependent on reinforcement learning mechanisms they, that and these mechanisms must imbibe the game theory principles i believe that this is this is the direction in which applications of game theory will go to and i actually really really hope that uh, you know more more economists computer scientists they come together psychologists they come together to actually work in this area in various areas rather yeah right professor the scope does sound very interesting and uh, i'm i'm sure it has a lot of sort of scope for growth um with this we come to the end of our podcast uh thank you for sharing your insights professor and i'm certain that our audience will take away a lot from this and thank you so much for taking out the time uh, and being a part of this conversation it was pleasure talking to you bilkis and i think it was quite an interesting uh, area of areas we talked about so yeah i hope uh, uh, people enjoy listening to it and thank you for inviting me thank you professor